discuss the solution to life the universe and everything one song at a time 42 tonight <laughs> tonight we are discussing life you know in a nutshell not the stephen hawking book that that was the universe in a nutshell and man that was a really really super tough read <laughs> uh, it took me years to get through that book but oh anyways tonight we are discussing the song well, it really doesn't discuss life or even a, a single person in a nutshell. Well, anyways, let's find out more about this song. First thing you need to know is who is joining us tonight. We have Stefan and Jeff. Hello there. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And joining us are Nick and JD from Bare Naked Ladies R Us. Thank you and welcome Woo! back, gentlemen. Woo! Thanks for having Thank us again. you, guys. We didn't scare uh, him away. No. To discuss a, a masturbation song. <laughs> yeah. We double checked just to make sure this time. <laughs> you don't want. I don't want to be typecast. So, <laughs> exactly. I don't want people. I don't want people to go. Are those the masturbation guys? Whenever, they, like, whenever we're back on, like I don't want that to be. <laughs> uh, that would well, make see, you. you that would back for another song. That would right. make you, Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> i only saw one hand there Stefan. well as is often the other hand oh, yeah. <laughs> always a mystery isn't it tracy it is what am i doing underneath the screen no not usually usually i know exactly just need a tissue wow this this got <laughs> off to a good start huh <laughs> There we go. So we don't have Aaron tonight, but he's supposed to be sending me his thoughts on this song. So Aaron, what album is this on? I see this as sort of a sibling piece to Brian Wilson, which of course is one of my favorite BNL tunes. It does remind me a lot of Brian Wilson, but I don't think this is off Gordon. And it would be weird if it was because it does remind me of it so much. So I'm going to go with their next record, which would be maybe you should drive. Aaron, who? Oh, I can't believe I can't believe he got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's a bummer. I would Grin grinning, grinning streak. Really? That's what I was right. <laughs> <laughs> you think Steve would have been a dead giveaway? Saying, what the? Yeah, I know. What the hell, Aaron? <laughs> I didn't think it was even close to purple rain. I don't know where he came up with that. Hey, I love raspberry sorbet. It's so good. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's so tasty so yes Jeff if, if people don't know what album this is off go ahead I know you want to say it only the greatest controversial opinion Bare Naked Ladies album ever maybe you should drive I will agree with you that is I stand by I stand by it where did I rank that, Nick? Did I actually did I rank that dead last? Uh, I think for I, me, you it was either dead last or it was right down there. Second, all, second all, last. I'm used, to, I'm used to our guest hating nope. on my album. You had a dead last. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. Oh, he did. Have twelve out of twelve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So maybe the album wow. should be. Maybe you should. You should crash <laughs> instead of just drive. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Jeff should pick a different album. As well. <laughs> yeah. We're just hoping that your taste in music improves. Didn't, 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 didn't like the last three guests all rank? Uh, maybe you should drive low. Yeah. I mean, while I'm sitting here like it's 12 out of 12 and 9 out of 12. I, I think it 
just got an ordering problem. It's got an ordering problem. But yeah. we'll find out tonight if people like this song off the album. song jeff do you know who wrote this song uh bare naked ladies it's definitely it's bare naked <laughs> ladies it's definitely a page song but i would be compelled to say it might be a page duffy oh. it's not a page is it a, is it a page robertson it is a page robertson Pedro, okay so Pedro. for this album page and robertson wrote completely separate for almost every song on this album except for this okay yeah yeah okay because as they so I, I have an interview here that they did around the time of this album for 14850.com. I don't know how you're that's my that's that. my favorite music review <laughs> site, by the way. I always go to 14850.com. My favorite zip code. They're amazing. I thought you were a Sputnik guy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that's true. Yeah. I have my I have my alliances, but that's not what we're talking about. They asked Ed, why did you guys write so much separately for this album when everything else was so together on the first one? And he, he said it was basically a product of extensive touring together. They were spending 22 hours, 23 hours a day together and writing songs was the only time that they could really spend any time apart. And they enjoyed their solitude where they could get it. But it's interesting, like Tyler jumps in, he goes, I think it's a good confirmation of these guys that actually getting together and writing a song again was the fact that they did this in a half an hour with this song. It's because we had time away from each other and then they got together and wrote Life in a Nutshell, which is one of the best songs on the album. And I think it's one of the most spontaneous songs that we ever recorded. And I would have to agree with that. Like it, it really does sound spontaneous and it does sound like Steve and Ed were like, hey, it's actually nice to write together again. So they went to their fortresses of solitude, huh? To write this song? For the most part. Did they have uh, influences from holographic fathers? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what they did have was Ben Mink in the other room. Huh. And he was so impressed. The album, the version that's on the album is actually the only the third take they ever did of this song. Wow, Playing it and writing it like all together, just sitting down and doing this together. Boom. Third take. They came back into the studio afterwards and Ben makes like, uh, guys, just sit down and listen to this. And they were all like, holy. <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, watch your language. Poop mouth. Did they, did they say that all in unison? <laughs> that's too? the quote. That's the actual quote. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time, they all said, holy f***. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when a song really congeals together like that. Like it's meant to be sung. And it's meant to be written. And it's mm -hmm. really cool when that happens. We'll get to the different versions in a little bit here. But I, I think that, yeah, this song just kind of congealed the first kind of time that they played it. Um, whether or not it got better or worse when when certain members of the band left and came uh we'll we'll discuss that uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll address that we'll address that elephant in the room <laughs> but let, let's talk a little bit about the music of this song Aaron, what's the <laughs> breakdown 
All right, I've got a mini breakdown this week due to unforeseen circumstances, but here's what I can tell you. Life in a Nutshell was recorded right around 158 beats per minute. It holds pretty steady, but they weren't using a metronome or a click track for this one. It's in the key of F major and makes interesting use of changes in beat and mood. There's some great vocal work by Page on this track. I love the piano work, too. When the drums change to hitting every downbeat halfway through the verse, that's really such a great moment. Unfortunately, that's missing from the live version that we listened to, which was much more... I don't know, I didn't like it as much. It was smoother, less rough around the edges, and less dynamic for it, in spite of some outstanding piano work from Kevin and a very solid uh, groove being laid down by Tyler on the drums. All right, now that we've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of chords. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was G, C, and A minor, right? Uh, no. That, <laughs> no. Well, don't forget that capo, no, though. That, that was, that oh, was no. the late song, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, and, not, and not Blam, by the way. <laughs> JD and Nick, you guys are our guests. What are your thoughts on the music of this song? Go for it, Nick. I mean, th- you were the one who was pushing for this one. So uh, <laughs> you take the lead on it. I love this song. Maybe yo, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying maybe he should drive? I'd love it if he drove. Oh, <laughs> I think this song's great. I love musically. I love everything from like the little vocal background effects to like the that he does that type of stuff. Steve's voice is on par. Just perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is, you know, like I said, not my favorite album. I think it is one of my favorite songs on the album. It but is your least favorite album, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah, it is. Um, and, and you know, I was looking not at the my tra- favorite. Album. I was just looking at the track listing, and I was like, "That's one of my favorite songs. That one's great. That one's great." And I, I think you're right. I think it's a it's a uh, track list order uh, issue. But I, it always blows my mind. You know, whenever I try to write songs and I put a capo somewhere, I just kind of go, "All right, let's see what I can do," and everything feels the same. And then whenever I look at 90% of the songs that Steve writes, it's a capo on the third fret and it's mm-hmm. some variation yeah. of like nine chords yes. and it all feels unique and different, even though old apartment, uh, Brian Wilson and, and a uh, million dollars are almost very similar in terms of the chord structure, but I, it just feels happy and uplifting. And I think the, the, the capo on the three can do that. It just kind of lightens it up a bit. Um, so yeah, I really like the music on this. I think it's one of the strongest songs on the album, uh, instrument wise and, and musically. 
It's interesting. You said instrument wise, like in, in terms of instruments, it's very, it's very sparse. Yeah. And it's well, probably uh, well, the most simple song instrument wise on mm-hmm. this album. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love upbeat songs driven by. Oh, yeah. I don't. Jeff gave you a look there. I mean, I think there's a couple <laughs> that are a little more simple, um, but I. I just love it as well. <laughs> yep, the obvious one came to mind. <laughs> there, there's an obvious one. I always forget that one for some reason. The one just before this one. I, I love that these guys can take an acoustic guitar and make that the driving instrument of the song. And, and it still feels full. Because I agree, instrumentation-wise, it's pretty basic. But it feels very full. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. lacking or like bare or anything like that. So I've loved when they've been able to do that. Take an acoustic guitar or take a, a song driven by acoustic guitar and make it feel very full. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Yeah. No, I mean, okay. So on the, on the instruments, mm-hmm. we have Ed on acoustic. Andy's on piano. Mm-hmm. Tyler's on drums. Jim's on bass. That's it. That's, that's the entire instrument Jeez, yeah. panel. There it is. <laughs> But you're right. It doesn't feel empty. It feels full yeah. throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think that it's what I found interesting about this one is usually you have Tyler that is the backbone and and skeleton of this of all the songs. Sure. Jim's the perfect skeleton on the song. He's very simple in the background, mm-hmm. and, and by that I don't mean an insult. What I mean is that right. like he is providing literally the backbone to the song, which allows Tyler to just go and do a million different types of fills mm-hmm. throughout this song. And I feel you know one th- one thing to be, and I love post Steve BNL, but I think one thing to be critical of it is that the the drumming on those albums gets really basic real fast um whether it's just using a drum machine a simple beat or tyler like i think even in um uh did i say that out loud there's so many there's there's times for fills in there and it's just the most simple fill in the world whereas here you just hear him going ham in the background and it just feels like that's missing from a lot of their newer stuff and it sounds really good when he does it oh yeah I mean, there are times that he double he goes into a double beat just before that pre-chorus at the beginning of the pre-chorus, mm-hmm. and then comes out of it. You're like, oh yeah, it's gonna pick up, but it doesn't. It comes right, back. Right. It, you know, there's times in there when he's like really just getting into this really deep riff, mm-hmm. and then he's like, all right, yeah, and I'm done. And now yep. I'm done with that. I'm on to this next thing. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, it adds. I'm a big fan of Steve BNL. To me, that sound. Yeah. It's not really BNL without him. For me, in my opinion, they can still make great songs, but something is something is missing. But if they're able to have Steve on the majority of songs and then have uh, Ed do his songs and then Kevin do his songs, I, I think it would have really blended in really, really well together. My favorite album and the only album I have in my car, or still... Is Gordon, and it's great to hear <laughs> a song like this because this song to me is BNL. It's the mm-hmm. traditional BNL, and um, you can't it can't beat it. This is this is why I fell in love with this kind of music, and why I fell in love with the band is because of BNL sounding music. I think this. I and to that point, I do feel like this song is a perfect like. You know, we've as as we've been doing our pod, we've read a lot about 
their thoughts on the band, whether it's about the breakup and issues that they had about the perception of the band as a novelty mm-hmm. act or whatever. This feels like a perfect entry point into the band that it's light mm-hmm. but it's not like silly and it's not like hu- like super funny or like that's not the thing at the forefront it's really good musically and has a great melody but it still has it checks every box of a bnl song so i think like ideally you know we've talked before about how we have friends who when you when you say bare naked ladies they go oh you mean the one week people and like that's kind of their only which is fine that's the most one of their biggest songs i get it but like if you had a blank slate and could show someone this band from ground from you know step one this feels like a great starting point to then kind of hook them into it but so the other thing about the it's interesting you said it's it's quintessential bnl that it's it's got that bnl sound because it they do something on this song that i don't think they do on many other songs that bnl has especially mm-hmm. up to this point but even after this during mm-hmm. the steve era, you mean they sound good then, jd's just... like but but then jd's like but you don't want to listen to the rest of this album so <laughs> well, let's that, yes the... let's but, move on to the next so one so <laughs> andy and ed are playing so closely together i maybe it's just me and my and my bad ears i had a hard time parsing out like what's the piano i get, I get that what's sure. ed's acoustic sure. going in there and it blends so beautifully between the two that I was like, this is just, they are filling the spaces between each other perfectly on this song. Yeah. This is one of the few tracks where I've actually stopped and isolated it. Like I wanted to isolate it because of the part, the, the moving parts that are happening in this song mm-hmm. are so good and so interwound. And uh, um, um, <clears throat> I haven't given my opinion on the music, have I? Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I hate the song. Die, Jeff, die. Um, no. <laughs> if I were to list my top five favorite BNL songs, this would be on there. So let's 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 just get that out of the way. Um, but, but this is definitely one of my uh, top five. But uh, like, there's some songs where not a single note is wasted, and mm-hmm. this is one of those songs. Nothing stays the same. There's there's like uh, the little riff that you might hear at the beginning, the piano riff, isn't there in the in the second verse. It's now a guitar riff. And uh, those little moving parts uh, um, for uh, during a section. Um, uh, but I don't tend to worry about the things that other people say. What Andy's mm. doing on the piano during that section is just so glorious. Uh, those little moments. And the br- don't get me started on the bridge, that little piano uh, interweaving that he does over there. Um, the, the drum breaks that lead into the verses. Uh, um, musically, I don't, I just, there's not like a wasted note here. Now, I will say, we will talk about this. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe there was a point where Andy said nobody's gonna play a piano riff on a BNL song or this song like I did, and then they did uh, Rock Spectacle, and Kevin <laughs> said, "Hold my beer." Uh, well, we'll come to that. Cause I have some thoughts on that. We'll get to the. We'll get to. We'll get to the. We'll get to. But that, you did but yeah. bring up a really important point. Uh, but yeah, a second ago, Jeff, that I don't. I don't want to skip over the cadence of this song with the way that Stephen is singing this song is its own character and it's beautiful. Like he doesn't stick to a particular cadence throughout the whole song. Again, he's switching it up. He's not quite going Sinatra where he's way off beat, but he's, he's just switching up the way that he approaches the lines each and every single verse, as well as it, when you hear him do it live, like when we get to the rock spectacular mm-hmm. version where he's just like, I'm going to really just like let into these lines and have fun with it. And you could tell they're enjoying oh, yeah. it. The song <laughs> is just so full and rich. And it's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's good that you guys mentioned the limited um, um, instruments 
that are in the song, but it it doesn't really it doesn't sound like it at all. And that's that's just beautiful. Rich is a really good word for it. It feels yeah, very, very rich. rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a meal in the glass. And one of the things that I, I, I want to make sure we get to, too, is the background vocals and what they're doing with those backgrounds throughout the song with, with not just supporting Steve during the choruses, but let's talk a little bit more about those background vocals because they really are, and, and as I was saying before with Steve's vocals, they are their own character in this song that adds depth. And, and the, the biggest component, the biggest one I feel, the one that I love the most is in the second verse. I don't tend to worry. Mm-hmm. The descending harms that they have going there is just one of the most glorious backing vocals I've ever heard on a Is that the bops? Bop. Just so good. No, no, no. That's, that's, oh, that's on the bridge. The bops. The bops okay. the, um, but where they, yeah, that's, that's on the bridge where they go, uh, only my ten, only her tenderness taught me. That's the bops. But um, I believe is what you're thinking of. But um, no, um. Uh, I don't tend to worry on the second verse has that the sending uh, ooh line mm. that just goes down. It just flows so amazingly with the with the the. Yeah, words. I think I think like you said with the the cadence changes and the way he changes the line a little bit every time, that combined with the vocal effects that they do in the background makes this they blend really well together and it just makes it super fun. Yeah, I agree. I concur. <laughs> All in agreement? Yeah, I I agree. I agree, too. It's weird, because usually when they're doing these songs, if they're going to do something with the stereo phonics, what what they end up doing is they do it throughout the whole song. Like, they'll have one instrument on one side, yeah. or, or they'll flip it up throughout the song, and they'll, they'll, they're consistent with with being inconsistent on their songs, and that they're going to stick to whatever pattern they're on on that song they're inconsistent with their inconsistency in the song in that you have the harmonies in one ear mm-hmm. later on you have the harmonies in the other ear when it comes to the bops mm-hmm. you have it alternating bop 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 ear to ear back and forth yep. and i i don't like i don't know why ben mink decided to do that but it's amazing to listen to on a stereo and it seems like they they not only harmonized the, the background with the uh, lead vocals but um based on what Jeff said about having to separate the different instruments, the acoustic from the piano, um, it seems like they really harmonize the instruments really, really well as well um, mm-hmm. to the point where it just, it blends and creates uh, something beautiful. And I, I like that Ben Mink made that choice, honestly, on this one. I know we, we've, we've had our uh, fair share to say about Ben Mink, but um, I, I like it when there's that kind of stereophonic where the harmonies don't always go where you want to. You know, I got a vocal here, I got a vocal here. Ooh, I got a vocal on left and right channel. I mean, there's just something to be said about that, especially when the vocals are being done so well. And we're talking about harmonics, uh, the layering of the harmonies. Uh, there's just something that, that makes the song more of an experience when that's happening. Uh, well, it's interesting channels. as a whole, just finding out I, that this was like the third take of the song because we're talking about so many specific things but it happens so fast it just seemed like not to be cheesy it seems like one of those just moments of magic that just came together happened and there's no point trying to replicate it you know taking more takes or overdubs or anything like that right um this is it it happened and it worked and it was perfect and it's kind of just like all right i'm not touching anymore that's it it's it's bnl citizen kane (laughs) sure yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, some some would argue that's probably Brian Wilson, but, you know, but I, it is interesting that this does seem to me to be a at least in my experience with uh, their shows and the fan base and stuff like that that it's not a hit in that it regarded to that level when we're uh, of Brian Wilson when we're talking about it as if it is top five perfect song or to some you know somewhere in that it feels more like a secondary or even tertiary song um i've never seen it live as far as i can recall and you know the few you know handful of times i've seen them so it's interesting that it is so that we seem to all agree that it's so great but don't really hear it all that much of course now now i have to look up on i have to go on here and look up online to see how often it actually is played in concert um oh yeah <laughs> so set list fm um, here we come <laughs> oh man it's gonna take me a minute to load up on my phone because my phone is Do they like, play this often now post steve I know they've played it at least. I don't know. At, they okay. do play it. They, they've they done it like on the Ships and Dips tour. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've got to because it's in the top mm-hmm. 10 of their of all time songs for them, I'd imagine. And Steve's the done it stream. in the. Uh, yeah. The, the yeah, he's definitely concert, done it in right? there. Yeah, the live streams. Yeah. And when he did it on there, he actually did it with some other people. Friend of the podcast, Alan Fogel, as well as Liam McKinnon. On the, I don't, it's not drums, but it's the the box. I don't know sure. what the thing is called. <laughs> um, and then also another man on bass. I didn't get his name, um, but it, it it's just amazing to listen to. And I, I actually, it's one of the things that I want people to go out and listen to this week is that one, um, because it's really cool to see him playing it almost live. Like I think obviously the other people pre-recorded their pieces, sure. but Stephen is doing it live. Yeah, Nick and I just actually, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before, uh, did one of the uh, live stream shows with Steve. Not that, like, not we're not featured guests, yeah. but watched <laughs> one of the shows live. Uh, and it, we were talking about that afterwards, how cool it is that they do all like those the little bits. Craig stuff. With, yeah, the, yeah, text from Craig, but also like the music of having Craig and Kevin there for a song. I think when he did Shooting Star, he played with himself. Not like that, but you know, he had a second version <laughs> we of gotta work it on in. the screen there. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be there somewhere. Um, but it, it was really cool <laughs> to see all those things come together like that. Uh, and pretty flawlessly, too. Yeah, I wonder how long it took them to write the song. Not the uh, mm-hmm. not the recording of it, but to write the lyrics of it. <laughs> Ten minutes. Ten. Okay. Ten. That's fair. Well, well they, they yeah. said that it only took them a half hour to write the song. Really? No shit. Yeah. I mean, like it, it came really quickly to them. No kidding. It's crazy. Like, like sneezing into the wind. Oh, yeah, I can't pull it up. Unfortunately, it's not working with me. It's not going to. If I were on my computer, I could find it out pretty quick, but I'm not able to pull it up right now. I'm almost. To, I'm, um, I'm going to be there real soon. I'm going to have some, some answer okay. for us. For, for whatever reason, it doesn't want to pull up on my on my mobile device. And it keeps giving me a hard time. Life in a nutshell has been performed does... 229 times by Bare Naked Ladies. Most recent be most recent be wow. um, in 2017 at the Naperville okay. Last Fling 2017. So hmm. 2017, yeah, they played it. So they played it. I mean, they played it a couple times in 2014, a couple times in 2012, um, and then yeah, 2016 seven times, 2017 18 times. So it looks like it was a staple on that tour. When did um, Steve leave? 
2009? 2009. Yeah, that's true. It is. It's 18th on their like their top songs played. Wow. So it, it's up there, but I, I think you're right. I don't remember them ever playing it at any of the concerts I've ever gone to. Yeah, same. I'm trying to confirm that. But yeah, nope, nothing there. It's all in that year. Huh. So strange. And I wonder, I would assume, you know, the Ships and Dip video that we watched was from 2011, and Ed was on lead for that. I would assume Ed is doing lead vocals in the later years, too. I mean, I don't think it'd be something that Kevin oh, yeah. would take over. Um, not this sort of a song. No, and, and it does a pretty good job covering it. Like it's in his range. Mm-hmm. It does well. It's not Steven, but it, mm-hmm. he does a good job with it. Yeah, I, I the only criticism I had watching the video and the ships and dip video, to, not to keep referencing it. Hello, Kitty was um very weirdly shot. Like it was like a stabilized video yeah. of Kevin a little bit, and then just Ed's face. For four minutes, I would say he seemed. It seemed a little bit like he was going through the motions that he was just kind of singing it straight. But also, again, all I saw was his face and nothing else going on. So he could have been super into it with his legs and was just keeping a straight face the whole time. But he did nail right. it. Like it, you said, it's right in his range. He hit every note. Like he sounded really good doing it. Well, he didn't. He didn't perfectly hit it. He did mess up some words. Maybe he was oh, lip syncing. Yes, yeah, true. I'm, I'm gonna assume that there's a mistake there. I don't. <laughs> well, you never know with those guys if it was a mistake Just a slip or if, of the he, hand. if it was intentional or if it's like I don't oh. know. It's <laughs> tongue. I mean. <laughs> you, one of the things that we've we've concluded is that as no matter what. Ed has said about him being over it in every album since the breakup he has not been over it <laughs> and so or over the breakup like net, net, there's, <laughs> there's so many references all over the place but it feels like with like 2011 was still recent enough that it could have even been like a slight like he was intentionally doing it to I don't know just to I, I don't know there seems like there's been a couple of moves like that in in their past to kind of you know jab at each other a little bit but also it could have just been a fun lyric change it could have just been a mistake like you really have no clue for sure well they're all valid options right if you look at uh (laughs) bare naked ladies lyrics and you look at their music as a whole and what they use for words in their songs it's quite clear that they are extremely intelligent with how they utilize words and um, I believe that they do everything um, with a purpose. And um, so if they're making jabs, there's a, there's a very good chance that there's a double meaning to it. Yeah. Well, that's funny you mentioned that because one of the things that I was uh, thinking about, so the, the last episode Nick and I recorded was Steve's most recent solo album, Heal Thyself Part 2. And there's a song on there that I really loved the message of but like it felt very straightforward and i told nick i was just like i i can't trust anything steve says at face value because that's what they've done for 20 odd 30 odd years is everything has a double meaning and everything has like a second layer to it and so the song felt really straightforward and i feel the exact same way about this like it could just be a really sweet codependent love song but like that feels like there could be a second layer to it. And I, part of me feels kind of like ignorant if I just go, yeah, it's a sweet love song. Cause I feel like I'm missing a second layer, but it also could just be like you said, very intelligent, but very straightforward in its meaning. 
but then I but it also could be like super critical and like making fun of it. And you have no <laughs> clue because it's like they're so smart with their lyrics. Well, let's, let's slip into what this song is about because yeah, this is an interesting discussion. I think um, reading online and and also my years of thought about this song, like there's a million and one ways to take this song yeah. as as people online have shown. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. interested to hear what you guys think this song is about. I think it's interesting that um, the second, kind of the second line is her Barbies always did it on the first date. And that is like... Uh, <laughs> when she was three! That was, when she was three! That, uh, that to me what is... What has this three-year-old been exposed to? Right. Well... <laughs> You know, that's uh, why is a three year old even thinking about sex? We would need okay. a licensed psychologist on the show to do that. And when it comes into play in a relationship, <laughs> right? <laughs> so clearly, she had maybe some issues, but um, but then the next line now she is with me, and um, I just kind of realized <laughs> oh, that means that he pretty much got laid on the first date. <laughs> And that's why he's saying, you know, there's there's never any need though. There's never any need for them to demonstrate. No. Yes, so it happens frequently. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. That's my take I on that part. De- Come on, guys. I have decided um, to to play ignorant and 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 give him the innocence and just say it's a, it's a love song about two people who are probably pretty dependent on each other maybe to a point where everyone around mm-hmm. them is like the fuck are you guys doing but like that whether it is in that honeymoon yeah. period or whether that's just like they have they have both been like that and have found someone that fits that mold with them that and they're just in bliss so mm-hmm. i want to take it as that because i think it is just it's nice and refreshing to have just a straightforward no caveat love song about um two people just head over heels so that's that's where i'm going with it i've kind of always yeah so under that under that guy yeah what is the line she's like a baby i'm like a cat me when we're together, we both get fat. I think the third line to it is pretty important there because I think it is about just being again in bliss and not because you know fat babies, fat cats are they're not idioms, but they're like mm-hmm. fame, you know, well known points. I don't want to say points of reference. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> like you know, a fat. <laughs> they're phrases we use, I guess. Babies and are so fat. Think, cats are usually fat. They go together. That's yeah, and I think it's like when we're together, we both get fat. Like they're both reveling in that, just like joy and lack of lack of care of the outside world. Like they're just they're just there with each other. Plus, she was doing things to her Barbies when she was three, so she might not have progressed uh, in maturity <laughs> mentally uh, beyond baby stage. So that could be a double double meaning right there. You know, I'm not going to go there, but I, I hear what you're saying and I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I and I think too. I, I have to go. I, going off what JD says, I think the whole like uh, baby the cat, baby and cat thing is just the constant indulgence. eating, the constant uh, just indulgence. Yes, and just taking it all in. But still, even with all that, even yeah. with all that stimuli, all that the all this uh, um, kind of blissful happiness, right. it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. We just keep needing each other, needing each other, needing each other. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, it goes into the uh, the pre-course with, you know, I don't tend to worry about the thing, worry about the things that other people say. So clearly their right, friends are saying, healthy, you know, yeah. this isn't good. This isn't healthy. 
I don't care. I don't care. This is what so, I want. I wouldn't want it any other way. So I think it's just that kind of blissful. I, I agree with that. Uh, the listeners out there are, can't see any of the video, but we're, we've got videos of, of everybody here. And I have a cat directly on my lap, directly in the view <laughs> of my camera. I can't mm-hmm. see half of the people who are attending this podcast because I'm looking through a, the back of a cat's head. But, <laughs> but that's kind of the perfect you are missing example. You of what the song is about. <laughs> Nick just went shirtless. Clingy. And- about clingy. <laughs> <laughs> Jason almost got nothing. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sorry, I, don't, I don't mind you talking I will about say me though, Nick- that way. That's okay. To all, to all of our fans out there, that's okay. If they didn't me that way. <laughs> So Nick did say a couple of times to me throughout the week, and then he started backtracking. He said that he thinks he has a hot take on the song, but then got worried that he goes, maybe it's not a hot take. Maybe it's what everybody thinks. And I'm just going to. No, so. No, so traditionally, I've always taken it the way that you. It's about a cat. (laughs) Yeah. Traditionally, I've always just kind of looked at it as like we've talked about so far, just a true love song, like really loved the, like all that matters to me is her. Like, I don't really worry about, what other people say just taking that at face value but the more i started listening to this week i started wondering if it's more like complete infatuation early state earlier stages of a relationship because everything he states about her in this song is kind of face value like more like facts like i know this about her but not i know who this about who she is Mm -hmm. and then like her life in a nutshell so to sum her up completely is something about me her life is something about sure. like she doesn't want to change me so i wonder like uh-huh. right i wonder <laughs> if it's more like he's really still getting to know her and he doesn't know all that much but it, you're just in that stage where you're like complete infatuation or if mm-hmm. it's like a little bit more narcissistic and like he just really doesn't care everything's and there's like sweet parts about it later yeah. like oh you it's great what? because i had this really tough time and she was there for me but again, sure. it's still about him. Right, right. <laughs> That's a good point. A good you know point. what though? I never noticed. I never noticed that before. Yeah. But look at the chorus. That's a good point, Nick. Because uh, BNL, like Stephen Page, especially and Ed, are really good at coming up oh with really gosh. clever rhymes. Yeah. They do it all through the song. They've done it through their career. They know how to come right. up with a rhyme. Look at the rhyme scheme in the chorus. Yeah. It's me, me. It's like, I think, you know, like, like her life in a nutshell. No way would she want me want it to change me. Not that easy. My time's often decided yeah. for me. So, like, I, yeah, I don't I, know I if that's a, like, oh, I, picked up on early that stages. Well, I'm still getting to know you. Or if it's with... like, this is real late. Because it, it could also be that from the stories they tell. And that he just, like, doesn't yeah. care. Like, I... <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's well, three right. me's in the course alone. We've I mean, broken down a lot of BNL songs. Uh you know, lyrically. And one of the things that we have found is a similar pattern with this kind of narcissistic, it's all about me theme with a lot Mm -hmm. of, of Steve's songs. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm not being a jerk, but I mean, I do remember us talking a lot about that with a lot of these, uh, um, well, what's what's an interesting take songs. about it is as how self aware he is of that part of himself. Like that's one of the that is probably my favorite thing about Steve's songwriting is his self awareness, his self not deprecation, but just 
he knows where he's coming from. He knows his flaws and is singing about them very directly, but not trying to mask it or not trying to like divert away from it. He will directly talk about that. And I think narcissism is one of the biggest things that he talks about a lot throughout BNL and, and solo stuff. So yeah, I've, I've picked up on that too. And I he never pre- he never paints a pretty mm-hmm. picture about it no, either. No, no, not at all. Right. But he sings like, really we well know about Steve's it. Steve's not a narcissist because narcissists are always about me, but they're also like, I am the best thing, what right. wonderful thing in the world. His songs are so self-centered, mm-hmm. but they're not positive. Right. He's just very yeah. real. And oftentimes there's like an acceptance there. Too. Like I've right. caused this, but I, I get why we're here and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. who I am. So, <laughs> but I like that. Cause I think like, you know, there, this is a really positive song though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think like, and I kind of agree with that with a little bit of what Nick was saying that it could be like an early on thing where they're both a little bit codependent and they have found that their clinginess works with each other because I think I know I've definitely been in relationships on both sides of that where like I'm way into the other person or they're way into me and if that's not equal it is a really off balance relationship Uh, and most of the time you find a place to mellow out somewhere in the middle but they're both like super into Mm -hmm. each other and super dependent on each other and at least at this point in the relationship it works and Mm -hmm. it might not down the road but right now things are you know as a cat yeah it just reminded me of like early like when you're completely head over heels for someone in towards the beginning and then someone's like oh what's she like like and you're like uh well She's yeah. got blue eyes. She and, likes you know, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> she was really she nice. She was me. there for me yeah. when I needed what her. What more do and... you need to know? <laughs> and I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I will say the one the lyric that I've always had the most trouble with is the call me crazy, but it really doesn't no, I'm sorry, not that one. It's the my time is often decided for me. Like I, I, I feel like I can get where it fits in, but like some like we've said, they're they're always super intentional about what they write. And so I just feel like there's a meaning there that I always miss, and I've never been able to figure out what what. That Are you in a is. relationship? I, yes, you're I in a relationship. Always, oh, that's true. I've got kids that, too. Yeah, yes, you have kids. <laughs> All right. Basically, whatever. Exactly. Whatever How many she's times doing, has she said, doing. "Okay, you're going to have to do this." Yeah, that's my dime yeah. is detired for me. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, yes, dear. Fair. Yes, dear. And I'm yes, okay dear. with that. There yes, it is. Yeah, but, but, but I guess the line yes, before dear. that, yes. he does say, no uh-huh. way would she want it to change me. And then it's not that easy. Because <laughs> that's what they all say. Not that easy. Because, yeah. <laughs> they all say that. Well, <laughs> I have a different take on that. Well, I shouldn't say it's my take. M.M. Starshine on, on songmeetings.com had this take. And I like it. I think it's interesting in a different, different point of view that if the person that is singing this song is a musician Mm -hmm. and their wife or partner is not, so they're at home, they're separated because of the career that he Mm -hmm. has, such as Steven dealing with, with the uh, touring that was going on with Gordon and such. So my time is something that's decided for me, like with his managers and stuff like that. Nothing's ever enough because he's always being pulled away and he doesn't get enough time sure. with this person that he loves, but they love each other. So like she's at the movies to keep herself busy. I'm on the phone to keep in contact with her. That's how we keep in contact with each other. And like yeah, they okay. feel close, even though they're so far yeah, apart, yeah. but it's never enough. So far away. 
pretty good actually. I, I think it's an interesting like interpretation. Right. So even even though they're separated, even though they're 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 in other parts of the country or world or whatever, sure. they're still constantly on the phone talking. Which is that, about yeah, the time that this was happening is when that relationship was kind of yeah. in that state. Yeah, but did they have cell well. phones back then? Right. Maybe car phones. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say they had car phones. Hey, they, sure. they, yeah. The cell phones that you had were were like big, oh, yeah, like gotcha. gigantic. Sure. But... Well, he could have been on like a payphone or something like that. You know, the old mobile old ham radios, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walkie-talkie. <laughs> Carrier or... pigeon. <laughs> up here, up north, we use dog sled mostly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do, do want to point out an interesting change that they make in the song that they don't do in a lot of other songs so the structure of the song if Aaron hasn't already covered it is verse, pre-chorus chorus, verse, pre-chorus chorus, bridge and then we come back to the chorus, pre-chorus Yes. Yeah. Yes. It actually reverses, which I really like about this song. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's an interesting choice. Like, it, we're gonna go the mm-hmm. other direction here. It goes bridge, bridge, chorus, pre-chorus. Yeah. That's a really, really, really clever choice. And I do like that. Um, one thing I do like about the rock spectacle version that they don't do in the album is I love the fact that when they come back to the pre-chorus, the entire band goes unison mm. on it, which I do. I think that's really well. Cool. Is that the entire band going? in unison or is that the live audience joining in and singing that because it almost sounds like it's I mean, more it than just like the band, band. It, it sounds almost like it's the it's the sure. audience everybody everybody yeah that makes sense yeah i mean i i thought from the mic standpoint from the audio standpoint it's the, it's the entire band but yeah i mean it sure. could have been a full sing-along I mean, that works too. yeah with a little dot bouncing over the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was just looking at the lyrics. You're right. It does reverse uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus um, on the last thing. And I think people are so used to hearing uh, hearing it that it, like maybe they're, I know my brain, my brain didn't realize or catch that it flipped. I didn't either. Yeah. And everything kind of changes too, which I like about this song. Like, uh, all that matters to me is she. The first time he does she, it's held out for an extended period of time. So, all that matters to me is she, her. The second time they do she, it's shorter. All that matters to me is she, her. So, I like that too. And then when it goes to the uh, the final chorus, they mix up the way he says it. Her life. In a nutshell, no way would she ever want it to. Like, I love that it never, yeah. the song is never quite the same anywhere, which is really cool. Like I said, it's not like a wasted note. It's always <laughs> uh, kind of keeps you on your toes. And then and, the she um, at the end of the really song, fun. too, is very, like, ending. Like, mm-hmm. all that matters to me is she. And then, like, yeah. yeah. Doom, doom, it gets shorter and shorter, yeah. Right, yeah. Right but it's like, you can't, yeah. it's yep. so well uh-huh. done with that singing and the notes and everything that you can't really... You can't tell where they're going a little bit short on these different spots. I mean, I can't tell. I just think it sounds mm-hmm. great and it sounds mm-hmm. organic. It's just, you know, so I, I don't yeah. give too much thoughts to that because I'm, I'm usually just jamming to the song. I'm like, yeah, this is great. And plus, I'm not very musical. So <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> I want to talk about the she for a moment. She? The she? Because that's an interesting choice. I don't 
Not sheep. 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 The sheep. The sheep. That's a bad oh, idea. Sheep. That's an interesting choice. <laughs> we need that's... to talk. We need to talk about the sheep. <laughs> yes, it is. That, that's an intervention. <laughs> that's yeah. But the sheep. That's not. It's the it's, way it's that out of hand. Typically talked in in normal English language. It is. And I was looking up today. I'm like, is that correct English, or is that them playing around to find the rhyme, or what is that? The correct English actually. There's no rhyme there. Is that There's... her is yeah. a pronoun? It would be the correct pronoun to use there. It's not a possessive uh, adjective. It's an actual mm -hmm. pronoun, and her is correct. However, the informal way of saying it is she. So they are actually using right. the informal way, which is the one that mm -hmm. most people don't tend to use. Mm -hmm. But I think it grabs your attention that much more to use that. Well, and it's it's to switch it off the focus too, because the line is actually all that matters to me is she. So they're they're trying to take it off that right. narcissistic me to the she. It's it's a sneaky little rhyme in the line, and I like that. That's good. Instead of what should have what we would expect, which is all that matters to me is her. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice little touch to kind of. Like the 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 uh, the person is trying to keep the focus on. This isn't about me. It's about she. <laughs> Not about me. Yeah, I thought that was genius. Yeah, I would never have thought of uh, of putting she in there because you know I'm. Well, and that's one of those things you wonder how that came to be because my my gut tells me Chibi. that wasn't like the first thing that came to mind then like it was an intentional obviously everything's intentional but they had to go no wait a second what if we'd make it she yeah. instead and just one of those but with like, 30 oh, minutes yeah, it's not right, like they had a lot of time to think about it right yeah sure. it's true <laughs> be like, oh you know it'd be really clever <laughs> is if we did it was just yeah. <laughs> it must just have rolled yeah. right off of their brain and onto the paper yeah you know yeah. And yeah, um, and this is the stuff that really pisses me off because Jeff, you're you're a musician too. I've never had something come this easily, this quickly, <laughs> and, and turn out this amazingly. Uh, no, right? No, exactly. Like, pisses me off. No, no, yes, no. It's it's yes. hours and hours and days and days. Yeah, what and then you're the like right later, you're like that yeah, still right, sucks. Yeah. And then like these guys, I mean, they. That's <laughs> You know, when it's on an yeah. album and people are listening to it, and you're listening. Right. Yes. Yeah. I listen back. I'm like, I. Oh my god! Yeah. I just used that word twice I, in the same I have, verse. I have yeah. the one EP with six songs, and there's a couple that I go back and I go, "That's one of the six you picked." Like you thought this was good enough to be one of six. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. It's thirty minutes, and then mm -hmm. just boom, yep. and you're like, "That is like we've said, perfect, mm -hmm. like as yep. near perfect as you can get." And it's just it's it's very frustrating. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the magic that is, and I think sometimes too, that's what happens. I think sometimes. Um, you know, sorry, Tracy, to cut you off, but I wanted to go off on that. But like, that's one thing. Sometimes that that whole idea, mm -hmm. like you see this with TikTok videos and stuff too, and and YouTube and all that. Like people just sit down and they'll they'll just put something yeah. together that's very organic, and and they they just they just uh, sing it heartfelt. Mm -hmm. They they come up with whatever lines and everything, right? And people just gravitate to that. And I'm sure that's not even Stephen Ed at times too. I'm sure like. Brian Wilson. I guarantee Brian Wilson right. was a good song. It had to be a good solid weekend. Oh, sure. Like yeah. Pouring over those lyrics and everything. But <laughs> sometimes um, 
Yeah, sometimes there's just that whole organic feeling that someone could just come up with yeah. an idea, whip it out. It's all yeah. emotional. It's what exactly we wanted to say. Well, I think the thing that makes works. me jealous yeah. about that is the ability to articulate it so well so quickly. Because I think like mm-hmm. I've been there too, right. where I'm writing something in the moment and the the feelings that are coming out are honest and feel organic. But when you look at these lyrics and you go, how did you come up with that to articulate what you were feeling so quickly in a way that is interesting mm-hmm. and, and not, you know, uncommon and not done before to this degree. Like it just feels fresh and yeah. it's, it's, fr- it's like, I know I keep saying frustrating, but like, it, it's very, it's a very specific set of people who have that skill who can almost off the cuff come up with something that feels so honest uh, yet. So unique. And, and really, JD, uh, we probably, sure. you, I mean, I want to speak for you, yeah. but we could probably take a lesson from this because I guarantee if yes. they would have overthought yes. this song, they would have right. found a rhyme for right. me. They would have found a rhyme for me and <laughs> oh, I would have ruined the song. Some... <laughs> like, yeah. like, why are we rhyming I, me I, with I've me? Said we got One of my favorite bands is the Mountain Goats. And um, their biggest song, probably their most popular song, is yeah. called This Year. And that's one of the stories that uh, John, the lead singer, tells is that. The, the chorus is I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me like two to four times, depending on where in the song it takes place. And he sent it as a demo mm-hmm. to uh, the other guy in the band and said, I'm going to replace the chorus later. That's just there for filler. And he wrote back, don't like yep. that is it. And you just think yep. about and it's mm-hmm. a very I mean, that's the whole course is that one line repeated. But if they would have overthought it and spent more time going back and rewriting the whole thing that yeah. piece might not have had the impact that it does. Mm. So sometimes you need that other person to say, nope, no, like that's it. Leave it exactly yeah. as is. I, I hate yep. sending ideas yep. to people. I absolutely do. But more and more yeah. I'm learning that it's what you have to do. Cause that one voice of reason that goes, why is this, the, right. why is this yes. four minutes instead of three or why? Yeah. I mean that I'm- one, like that one extra, right. Uh, it, it, it there. And when you look back on right, it, yeah, people are yeah. usually right. And <laughs> I think cases. that's the other the thing that we're also not hitting on here is that this is the word that I think of when I think of like this song and several other songs, as well as, again, coming back to the group, the Beatles, John and Paul and Stephen and Ed have a magic about them when they are collaborating where it just naturally, I think at certain times with certain songs, just clicks mm-hmm. like they're going and bouncing things back and forth and it just like boom that that was it like right. we don't have to put more thought into it because what i you finished the sentence that i wasn't going to be able to do right. perfectly and and vice versa i think one of the things that great bands such as uh the beatles and uh what the song represents is uh especially for lyricists and for songwriters is i uh, there's a level of empty mindedness um it's kind of like a samurai code it's like having no mind not thinking about it just allowing it to be and being able to channel channel that stuff through and that's where most of the creativity and the uh ingeniousness comes along even even einstein said that most of his ideas um they weren't thought they were just he was open with it and it just flowed right through. And uh, I guess he, uh, you know, even through lucid dreaming, there is a way of being able to tap into things that, um, uh, that are just really inspirational and uh, above and beyond what, uh, what we would do if we consciously put our minds to it. And it makes you wonder, like, 
I'd love to see a list, and it's not as easy as this, but I'd like to see a like a side by side comparison of the songs that came the easiest to him and the songs that came with the most work and difficulty. Because as much as I agree with everything we've all said, I also have felt in my and I keep saying my experience as a songwriter, it's limited compared to like Jeff even like that the work aspect of it is incredibly important that the discipline and the treating it as a a job almost you know like i have to do this you know mm-hmm. uh, one musician i really respect kind of set you know and a lot of people have this idea like that writer's block is not a thing you can work you work through that that is an excuse to not write um so i'd be curious to see what songs they have labored over and what songs they have that have come naturally and so quickly and see if there is a gap in the hits or the ones that people gravitate toward and the ones that are, that feel like filler or just album tracks or something like that. Or if it's a mixed bunch, if it's like, yeah, there's, there's songs on both sides that, that are, that are hits and that are, you know, that haven't clicked. I would well love to might. see that JD. I'd love to see yeah. that. It'd yeah. Be fun. Yeah. That would be, that would be a fun episode. Yeah. I don't know. And so if you ever talk to Steven and Ed, ask them that question, get that <laughs> and, and then come back. Like that would be a great discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we are getting them both on the show at the same time. You're gonna, well, you're we're gonna, gonna bait them into it. You're gonna be like, Plan. "Oh, actually, we've got Steve right here. Steve, come on out." He pops up on Zoom. <laughs> Tracy, how did you find out how long it took them to record this stuff in the first place? Was it you, Tracy, that uh, said that, or was it that was? You know he's got a book that's like that this was, thing. I'm not, right? Well, two books, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, validate his that excuses. That was an interview. <laughs> he, he's, 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 he's in charge of podcasts. He needs to fuck it up. He needs to take responsibility for this, for doing the work. <laughs> Hang on. Let me check the B&L encyclopedia collection I have back here under... <laughs> no, I mean, we should be able to... Flip. <laughs> um, so we, uh, you guys brought up earlier the fact that uh, I've been trying to find a way to segue, and I could. So I'm bringing us backwards for a minute. The sheep to talk about something that both JD and Jeff have both said about Rock Spectac, because there is the Rock Spectac version, and I'm going to go out there and and say something that rarely comes out of my mouth. In that the live version of this, the Rock Spectac version, is essentially the best version of this as compared to the original oh i yeah. agree i agree rock spec yeah. the rock spec version of this is the best i would agree i don't i i've only ever thought about that that mm-hmm. exact comparison with um what a good boy but i think comparing that here i i, I think i'd have to gut instinct agree huh. i feel like if we go too far in this we're totally bashing andy because i agree with you the, what a good boy what makes the what makes the live version of what a good boy is so great is yeah. that damn epic ending. We're kept, yeah. So <laughs> I gravitated towards the, the studio version. I have, a, yeah. I have um, a thought on that. I gravitated more towards the studio version. Huh? And I don't why? I don't know why. I think just why? just gut I, instinct. It makes, it makes, I, I like yeah. that it was like bouncier and faster <laughs> and more fun. And I think I agree. My favorite part is when they all came and sang at the same time. Right. But I still think I'd lean towards the studio. Mm-hmm. I I think that, and I'm going to take it off so it's not bashing Andy. I think in yeah, the that studio, yeah, right. now now what I meant that was a bad. I think Andy was doing exactly what he was supposed to do, and he fills this song perfectly. And like I said, the blending with Ed is is seamless. 
Um, and that's what he was supposed to be doing when they recorded in the studio. I think that when Andy left the band, they realized what they lost, what they missed, what, you know, because I think that they kind of took Andy for granted a little bit in, in the geniusness yeah. that he had and that he was providing them. And when he left and, and that spot was filled with, with Kevin, which Tyler, amazing choice, like going out and getting, getting Kevin to come in. Um, that being said, I think the band, they have said like Kevin has infused us with a new livelihood. And I think what that is, is they were like, you know what, this was the piece that we had before that we were missing that we took advantage of right kevin go at it enjoy yeah. it and, and i think in that live version that's what he does they they gave him permission to let loose and he does and they're like that's electric that oh my goodness well and i i think you're right because now that i'm thinking about it too when we when we interviewed andy um i remember i asked him did you um um because i can see what nick's saying but i do love that big epic outro the piano outro for what a good boy when they do it live and i did ask andy if they did that mm -hmm. with him and he said yeah so um you know there is that moment where yeah when you're live you get to unleash but going off what you said like what what makes uh nutshell great in rock spec is uh just kevin is just yeah. all over the place and on fire on that piano and that's why her life in a nutshell It is. It has got to be like like I love the studio version of Nutshell, but that lot the piano accompaniment on the live version is just fantastic. This is a, this is a well, and so go ahead. There's a number of things that they change about that song when they do it live. At least in the live version on Rock Spec Tech, mm -hmm. it's at one and a half speed, yeah. so they double they double the the beats per minute. Well, not double. They one and a half. They they go up by half. Um, there's no pauses. They cut the pauses out between verses and choruses. Right. And we got Kevin that's kicking in with these pianos that are just amazing. But the other thing is that Jim is no longer on the backbone on skeleton on this song. Tyler switches over no, to doing the skeleton. Base, yeah. He's doing a basic beat and Jim is playing his heart out on that live version. Yeah. Yes, the bass the bass line on the live version that Jim plays. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> it just sounds yeah. like they are having so much fun on that version. I mean, they they are in the studio version, but here it's just like just unleashed, absolute fun. Um, the way you want to you want to hear a band play their own song, you know, yeah. not like oh, we're playing yeah. that song that you all want to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's they're jamming and yeah, it's great. I feel like one of the things that I've always loved about BNL from you know, and I still think they have this um, as a four piece. And I think they had it when they reunited the Junos. And I think Steve has it by himself or, you know, with, with Craig and, and Kevin, depending on the tour, I think there is just something magical. And I, I, I really agree with your John and Paul comparison that when they're together, um, they're never apart. They're never alone, but when they're together, <laughs> it just, it just works. You know, like it's like, there's no better way to put it that just, it, the, they all just, fit together so well and 
it's interesting reading some of the history around the breakup of like, you know, one of the things that we learned recently uh, in our research was that uh, there was about a year between when Steve was like arrested and then like every, you know, kind of arraigned or whatever. And in that year they had to travel separately. So he would be stopped at the border and like the four piece, the four guys would be there. Um, But I still feel like, you could never tell in live videos and live shows that there was tension between magic. Like it's very much a, um, an oasis thing where like they could hate each uh, other or there could be tension. But the second they get on stage, that you cannot tell it just all clicks together. Yeah. It's just magic. Exactly. I mean, it really just is. Um, and I think music was probably their common denominator. (laughs) (laughs) Even now on Twitter, it's the best thing. I actually that that's a fun fact. Complete side note. I, I didn't know this, but apparently there's Wibbling actually they, someone yeah. recorded. Yeah. I, oh, uh, I bought it like years ten, ago. Yeah, the ten minutes of the of them arguing and and it charted, it is, it it is so much like, fun to listen to because the thing that, like yes. you, bringing Oasis back to the basics. It's just two brothers who again are magical in their own right, but like they're brothers <laughs> and they're like in their mid twenties and they're and like the yeah. second you get them in a room, they're just bickering, <laughs> but bickering for them is just, ye- just like swearing and yelling at each other. I don't think the interviewer talks. I think it's just the two of them yep. yelling at each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just but again, you put them on stage. Mostly about, mostly about <laughs> be here now these days <laughs> and about reunited. I'm going to intervene real quick. <laughs> Nick, we haven't heard from you in like 20 minutes, and this was the song that you wanted to come back to. No, I, I, I'm not as uh, <laughs> strong musically <laughs> to, to chime in on all sense. that So anyway, like we were saying but, about it. No, I, I think with the Rock Spectac version, just because I lean towards the studio version doesn't mean that this isn't fantastic as well. It's... It's very fun. I think making it the choices that they made to like go faster, make it different enough that it's, it brings something different. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I think recently they did like a a tour or two ago, they did the four piece did Enid and they did it at half speed and it was really weird it just it was very oh. jarring at first and i think it was pure mm-hmm. that i was uncomfortable with it that it felt wrong to me like they they sounded great I mean, everything came together right but like that's such a fast-paced song and it really felt like they're like well we're in our late 40s yeah. now i don't know if we can all play that fast did they do that weird opening bit at half speed too yeah no that yeah it was tie on, on the mic just going no. <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's that's why I love the the rock spectacular version is because it's it's a little faster and like I don't I don't think it's a blanket rule that faster is more energetic but like that is oftentimes the case and there's just something that really comes out there but I also think that the studio version is again as near perfect of a studio recording as you can get and part of yeah, what makes the yeah. live better is not just the musical choices that they're making but also just the fact that it's live and there's a community there participating in it I think that just Mm-hmm. it's there's some things in the studio that you can never recreate but there are also some things live that you can't recreate in the studio and so i think it's just a balance right. of those right and correct in many cases i have to agree with nick i, I tend to prefer studio versions over live versions i don't get a lot of live albums because i think there's something lacking that that the, the polish of a studio version gets um not but I, even though i love seeing a band live i love going to see a band live <clears throat> there's a reason that that they go that's into the point. studio and they record these songs so normally yeah. that's the case 
This is one of the, yeah. So, I mean, there's just something about that process to make the song that I prefer. A lot of times when you see a band do it live, yeah. they're not on key. Yeah. They go off key a lot. Um, they don't, they don't sound vocally as great. I mean, yeah, it's an experience. And that's why I think seeing a band live is, is for me usually more enjoyable than getting a live album. Um, that said, the rock oh. spectacle version of this song, that that's yeah. an exception. Like I, I, when I knew we were doing this one again, even though it's a song that I know very, very well and I've listened to, um, it's constantly on my playlist. I went back and listened <laughs> to the Rock Spec again, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so good." <laughs> I partially agree with you guys in a number of reasons. I mean, I used to go to concerts, and now I don't simply because I I enjoy mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. they have produced in the studio more than than what's produced live. It's fun seeing the band them doing crazy stuff but i like the music a lot better uh you know right from the studio so it's like why why spend a lot of money for me to go and watch some some music that i'm like wow they really butchered that <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it is one of the yeah. few times i actually will swap out the live version in my playlist well I'll, or I'll... the album version and I can no, I can I can tell you my stand on that, and that that is this. Um, there are some bands that are not good live acts. Uh, there are some bands. Um, I don't want to mention any names. I don't want to like. I'd be interested to know uh, off uh, off my hootie. I would be um, very interested. There are like <laughs> <laughs> no, but you look at like you look at like Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, uh, I I saw them live. Going to see a. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm just saying. I'm saying like like Hootie and the Blowfish. To, Tim, Tim, Tim McGraw is another one. I, I actually, I would probably agree with you for the record, but that's crazy. You were there. We didn't know each other back then, <laughs> but some bands you go to see them live. You're basically hearing either bad versions of studio songs yes, or yes. you're hearing studio songs over. There's no, there's no change. You're going second to see, child. Yeah. The bands that are good live acts are the ones that put on a show. They do it differently. They mix it up. They joke with the audience. They make it an experience. BNL is one of those don't, bands. Don't and in fact, when I think when I saw them in Peep Show, um, they came out and they did That's an acapella so cool. set. And I freaking love, I love acapella music. As many people that know me know, I love acapella. I love harmonies. I love, you know, arrangements. I love layering. And um, they came out. One the listeners out there, uh, send Jeff some pentatonics. Um, Jeff is very familiar with pentatonics, by the way. Or, or <laughs> straight no chasers. I'm very, I've seen straight no chaser live, but... <laughs> Well, while you're on this kick and as a transition as well <laughs> there is only one you're gonna you're gonna play one of my acapella songs awesome that's cool no. <laughs> there's a there is only one cover of this song that i was able one authentic cover that's been recorded and that was done by out of the blue mm. which is the yale acapella group um and they did it on their 2001 disc phraseology and that's the only copy. That's the only cover of this song. That well, I, I was going to say that when they did the acapella set, when I saw them too, uh, one week was done acapella, which I get when you've done one week over and over, like JD mentioned, that's they're the one week band. When you do a song over and over and over, you want to mix it up a bit. And they did one week completely acapella, yeah. which was amazing. And they did life in a nutshell acapella. That might be my favorite version of the song. That would be cool. <laughs> So speaking of versions That's and really favorites and numbers, why don't we get some numbers to this? But Jeff, what are we rating this on? Well, since we think that this might have transposed back to a quarrel between two bandmate lovers, our, our John and Paul, our Steve and Ed, 
we are going to rank this on <laughs> zero to five Gallagher's. <laughs> I love you it. mean the guy that hits watermelons? <laughs> yes, watermelons. The Smashomatic. <laughs> yeah. Man, why wasn't he in Oasis? That would be awesome. <laughs> that should be a random after yeah. all. That's the third. That's the third You're brother. My <laughs> that would be an amazing concert. I want to see that concert. Tickets, Front row. That's the that's reunion. That's, that's, that's the that Oasis reunion. They're like it's Oasis, oh, but it's also you. Gallagher. Uh, he's the third Gallagher. <laughs> so who's going first, Jeff? Uh, always a guest. Um, let's start with Nick because you picked the song, or you picked the come on. All right, uh, I I adore this song. I think when we made our top ten lists, this was one that I had to cut. But I so you don't really ultimately, it, do but I felt horrible about it, and it was the last one that I cut that didn't make it in. And yeah, I'm going with uh, four point six. Four point six. JD, 4.6 Gallagher's. JD. Yeah, I mean, part of me wants to just go for a full five, but like, it also just doesn't quite feel right. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that objectively, it checks every box, objectively. Um, But like, I think Nick has a bit more of emotional attachment than I do. And, And I don't like, I mean, that in a good way. So like, I just don't feel like giving it a five feels right. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 Gallagher's. I want to give it two Gallagher's because that feels right, but I don't think that would be doing this. I'm just going to go 4.5. Stefan. Well, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is definitely a song I like. I love the song. I love the music. Um, I love Steve singing. Um, it reminds me of BNL. I love this classic BNL sound, and it's just awesome. I love it. Uh, I don't think that they do anything wrong. I can't understand the lyrics half the time, but it's uh, now that we break it down, it's fun. And there's nothing wrong with the lyrics. It's not like disgusting or uh, over over the top weird. But uh, so this is definitely song I would put on my playlist. Um, gosh, it's it's just an awesome song, and you can tell when that doesn't take very long for them to write the lyrics and come up with the music and record the thing. So um, I, I'm going to have to go with a, a straight up 4.9. Uh, it's, it's right there. It really is right there for me. Gallagher's. 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 Um, Gallagher's. I concur, Stefan. I concur. Um, there are, there are <laughs> B&L songs I like more than Life in a Nutshell, but not many. And so I will leave that five space for those. And we will get to some of those, especially when we get to the O's, which is a five song. <laughs> There's a five song in the O's. Uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he spoiled it. He spoiled it for me. But um, yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, There's a five in the O's. But uh, so I can't go quite a five. But uh, they're like I said, this is one of the not not a notice wasted. It sounds great. Uh, musically, I love the changes that they do. I love the lyrics. I love the energy. It's it's the song that makes me angry, like JD mentioned, because how the hell did you pull this off in a half an hour? Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's a four point yep. nine. Tracy? And I'm 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 struggling. This is one of those songs that I have all week bounced within five within a half a point, and it's one of those ones that I can't decide 
where to put it. But um, as we've been talking tonight, I finally did come to a decision. Uh, like you guys have been saying, I can't put it in the five. I really want to because I really enjoy this song. And I, and I forget how much I enjoy this song when I don't listen to it. Um, especially the rock spectacular version. How can I forget that that version exists and, and and like go back to the album version every time? I don't know. Um, I think I just love Andy, and so I feel bad bad listening to it without Andy. I agree. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because he <laughs> he he could have done it too. Oh, live. He, he probably did. Do he probably did do it live? Yeah. Um, but but saying that, like I I've got to give it right up there to almost perfection. I'm going to give it a four point eight. So Aaron, what is your ranking? It's a sweet song, and I wonder as to the exact meaning of some of the lyrics, knowing Stephen Page. But on the surface, quite sweet. Uh, there's just a little bit of a bittersweet quality to the music, which makes it interesting. The bridge, of course, uh, caught my attention for lyrics. I fell down with no one there to catch me from falling. Then she came round, and only her tenderness stopped me from bawling my eyes out. I'm okay, and that's why. Very raw, very uh, hard on your sleeve. So very classic page bridge lyrics. I really liked the build-up towards the end with all the auxiliary uh, vocals coming in. Very, very nice uh, little climax. And again, ultimately, it's a very strong song. It does remind me a lot of Brian Wilson. I don't like it quite as much as Brian Wilson. I wouldn't call this my favorite or even like one of my absolute favorites, but it definitely deserves a spot in my greatest hits playlist. So I am awarding Life in a Nutshell 4.2 Gallagher's out of 5. Yeah. Wow. It's a real shame that Aaron pulled this down, right? With his two point <laughs> with his yeah, I know. two point one to hell. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. It was sad. Two point one. I guarantee it's gonna be two point no, I'm kidding. He's now gonna, I gotta he's rearrange gonna all of that. Like that doesn't make sense unless I rearrange it. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be us if we didn't mess up your Damn editing it. process. <laughs> So I do have a really special Hey everyone appearance. and welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Bare Naked Ladies R Us. It's great to have you guys here. We've got some We got a very special episode for you guys Our today. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of guests, I have a very special appearance for this week. Um other than all the other versions, like the ones where they did intimate and interactive and they did it as a busker's version. So they did it right there on the street with the, the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and also all of the versions on 
on uh, the Ships and Dips tour and Stephen doing it live. Mm-hmm. There is a really special version of this when they were on a TV show with a very famous person that loves the band almost as much as we do. Jason Brisley invited them to come in and do this and do this song on his TV show. Jason Priestley invited them and they came on to 90210. And this is the song that they played on 90210. So I was actually right. (laughs) But I shouted out Jason Priestley like three seconds ago. Yeah. Wow. That wasn't a random guess. guess. I was 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 a random guess. You got the right one. I, I was joking. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, so I will I will be putting that up there. I mean, it's only a minute clip. It's not the full song, obviously. Um, but yeah, you get to see the wonderfulness that was 90210 and hear Bare Naked Ladies at the same time. I, I talked about this on uh, one of our episodes, but uh, as I unironic or I unplanned, I'm wearing my West Wing sweater right now. And I when the boys were born, I started watching a lot of West Wing. Like I had the box, I started watching it, and sure enough, there's an episode where BNL appears, and I had no clue they were playing it like a Rock the Vote concert. And it's just the best feeling in the world when you're watching one of your favorite things and another uh-huh. one of your yeah. favorite things appears. I felt like a child. I was like, no way, it's BNL. Like <laughs> they're on West Wing. I, I get that That's way every time thing. I see the MythBusters go meet Obama. Oh, <laughs> that, Dude, episode, we, that episode! When, <laughs> when I used to watch that show growing up so much, and when um, oh, we're doing After Dark now. No, Tracy? what is there? Is there something <laughs> wrong? So those of you guys who are um, uh, those those listeners who cannot see the video, Tracy shut off his lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're doing After Dark behind yeah, this doing, video. You, you can you can um, swear you can swear you can swear and make dirty jokes now it's all it's yeah. oh, good, perfect no holds, we've been re- no holds barred yeah you can completely it, no, is when, there something um, wrong so maybe you need to turn the lights on you're in the you're dark little... oh you need you mean you need me to light up my room light up your light oh my god <laughs> light up your room <laughs> <laughs> we were talking tracy you didn't need to pun at that moment Oh, come on. I made you guys give me the intro on that one. That was good. I mean, I cannot believe I did not see that coming. I somehow, I've. It was. I've been been doing this how long? I did. I saw it. (laughs) I I tried feeding you. I tried feeding you, even though I didn't know what the song was. Man. I feel weirdly disrespected. A year I've been doing this, Tracy, and I still don't see it coming. Sometimes you do. I got you on that one. I, I take pride. Wow. Yeah, you got. Yeah, yeah, you got me. I, yeah. I take pride in that one. That was because I was listening to JD. I I, I yeah, we were talking MythBusters. We were talking MythBusters. <laughs> like I'm gonna do a pun. <laughs> I'm gonna distract away from this. Hey, nobody said that we were the sharpest tools in this shed. <laughs> like, this is no MythBusters podcast. Time for the pun. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Next. Yeah. <laughs> You stay on track, or we go. Well, gentlemen, where can people <laughs> find more of you guys? Because you guys are hilarious. All and, the places. And tons of fun to listen to. Thank yeah. Uh, our our pod is Bare Naked Ladies R Us. It's it's still everywhere. It's going to be everywhere for a while. All the places. Yeah. All the places. If you think you can listen to know. a podcast there, chances are you can probably listen uh, to oh, our podcast. Is it on Pandora? And, yeah, I think so. Is it? Yeah, by press time we'll have yeah. our Kev so, episode out, and then we're done. Yeah, we. Oh, What's the new 
Yeah, until more stuff comes out. He just covered every BNL song and album and and the Stephen Page for now. So we keep putting it's it's like a it's an (laughs) ellipsis. So what we what we decided to do was you know BNL is is our shared favorite band, and then what we decided to do moving forward is to keep it going, but to the next band that we're going to cover is a band that I adore to the same level of BNL that Nick has not gotten into. To the level that I have, and then we're going to flip flop. Oasis? No, but that, was, that might have actually worked. <laughs> but yeah, I know. We're, we're we're going Coldplay next. Actually, I I have been a defender of Coldplay since since day oh. one. And uh, I'm a fan of Foreplay. We did we didn't give it away definitively, but we you probably mentioned Coldplay as as top of the top of the list. I feel like I feel like you need to go back and re-edit the episode where they were last on because I think we talked about what they were going to do next, if I remember distinctly. I think we did. did we? I think we actually. No, yeah. I don't even know if we knew what we were going to do. Just that we were going to do it. Yeah, yeah. We totally should. We we should have left. That yeah, we're doing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do Coldplay always with the a BNL homage. Steve and BNL release Coldplay release new stuff. Um, we're going to keep in the RS. But we've already. So is it is it. Coldplay are us. Yeah, we're keeping we're keeping the title. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Some Coldplay fans in England are like, I don't know what the hell that means, but uh, okay, sure. Coldplay would have been a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Coldplay that's coming next. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're I, I'm JD. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank yeah, you very much, guys, again. for joining yeah, us. Thanks, it was really fun too. Be able to uh, have this uh, podcast with you guys. It's always a blast. I know yeah, I yes. had a fun time. Yeah, like yeah, two weeks. Yeah. I think you guys are coming back pretty soon, so I'm excited. Are, yeah. And then shortly again so after that, for, I think too. Yeah, for, when are they coming I back? I think we're doing limits. Yeah, it's pretty soon. <laughs> Is it really that quickly? So, hey, what, hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> you know me. I don't set any limits. Yes. No, you can't do that yet because it's not that time yet. <laughs> yeah, right. You you gotta wait. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Limits, and then we'll do looking up. Well, we're really sticking in the L's. <laughs> um, we can actually sneak some puns in for them too as they're setting up their episodes. I can be like, oh, 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 I'm sorry, guys. Hang on a second. I'm sorry. That was a rush of blood to the head. <laughs> yeah, sneak in Milo Zylado. Tell yeah. me how you're gonna sneak in Milo Zylado. <laughs> you win if you can do that. <laughs> I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, but no, you seriously. Guys for joining us. It really was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 